Celebration Rock Podcast presented by 93XFM here in Minneapolis and uprocks.com. I'm your host, Stephen Hyden. Today we're going to be talking about two of the bigger rock bands in the world right now, 21 Pilots and Greta Van Fleet. They both put out albums this month. I wrote about both records on uprocks.com, but I wanted to talk about it some more, and I thought I would ask our producer, Derek Madden, to get on with me, because he has to listen to every episode that we do, and uh, you know... I figured, why not him? And I know he has lots of opinions about this. Were you excited to do the episode this I, week, Derek? I was, yeah. I was a little fired up. Too. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you, know, you and I, we've talked about both of these bands, and I feel like we have different opinions about them. You know, One of us likes 21 Pilots more. The other one of us likes Greta Van Fleet a little bit more. And uh, it was just nice to kind of explore the state of rock music right now by looking at it through the lens of these two bands that are very different. You know, you have like 21 Pilots being a band that I think is the epitome of, I guess, sort of streaming music at the moment. They yeah. they sound like a little bit of everything, and they've been hugely successful doing that. And they put out their latest record, Trench, a couple weeks ago. And then you have Greta Van Fleet, who looks like they stepped out in 1969. They're wearing flared pants and love beads, and they're playing bluesy rock that is highly reminiscent of Led Zeppelin, yeah. a yeah, band... Well- You've one heard band. of, right? <laughs> yes. One band that sounds like everything, and one sound band that sounds like exactly one thing. <laughs> exactly. So we got into it. We had a really good conversation, and I'm excited to play that for you guys. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about our sponsor for this week, and it's our old friends at Blue Apron. Now, Blue Apron, they deliver farm-fresh ingredients and step-by-step recipes to your door, and it's their mission to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, which they achieve by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Now, if you're like me, you work really hard, and at the end of the day, it can be really tempting to just throw some food in the microwave, but you don't want to do that. It's not good for you, and the food is terrible. So why not sign up with Blue Apron? This week, they have great looking food, man. They got a tomato and basil pesto pizza. They have stir-fried sweet chili chicken. Man, this is all kinds of stuff that you may look at it and think that you can't make, and yet Blue Apron makes it extremely easy to make it for you. They give you the ingredients that are delicious. They give you the step-by-step recipe, and you can make all this stuff in like 20, 30 minutes. It's, it's fantastic. So to further entice you to try Blue Apron, I have a special deal for my Celebration Rock listeners. You go to blueapron.com celebration, and you're going to get your first three meals for free. That's right. Go to blueapron.com slash celebration. Get your free food. Don't eat out of the microwave. Eat good stuff for a change. And you also help the podcast. So again, that's blueapron.com slash celebration. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. Okay, so me and Derek, we talked about these two huge bands, 21 Pilots and Greta Van Fleet, both of whom have new albums out this month. 21 Pilots record is called Trench. The Greta Van Fleet record is called anthem of the peaceful army we had a fun time talking about it so without further ado here is me and derek talking about greta van fleet and 21 pilots on the celebration rock podcast 
All right, Derek. So I wanted to have you on. You know, I feel like you have to suffer through every podcast that we do. And, you know, I see you out of the corner of my eye. Usually I'm talking to people on the phone and I see you out of the corner of my eye. You're always like, like <laughs> champing at the bit. You want to get in there. And occasionally you do, but I know you have a lot more to say. I have opinions about things for sure. You do. And I feel like, man, I, Derek has to sit through every single episode. Like you and I are the only two people probably that have like sat through every episode of this podcast. And I get to talk all the time, and you don't get to talk nearly I, I enough. I hope that's not true, by the way. I hope there's someone out there who's Maybe listening there to is. every one of these. If you, if know, you are there, feel free to like tweet at us. I feel like the need to have some humility here, you know, <laughs> and assume that we're the only ones. But um, I also thought, I also knew that you would have opinions about these two bands. And, I, and my sense is that our opinions are different on both bands. So that's always a good thing to have. Some disagreement. I don't yeah. think we're wildly disagreeing, but we're not totally on the same page. Yeah, I mean, these are, for me, I have sort of professional opinions because these are two bands that uh, we play a lot on my radio station uh, and, and have for probably the last couple of years. Uh, 21 Pots in particular was sort of a, a, a band that's uh, been important to the station, not just because they've had a lot of hits, but also because it's sort of a new sound for where we're at, and so that's you know, you kind of have to justify it a lot to certain people. Um, and so I have opinions about about them, you know, and their popularity and, and fan base. But I also have opinions just about the, the music. Yeah. Well. So, Well, and I wrote my opinions about this band on uprocks.com in a piece that ran, you know, I guess a couple weeks ago. And uh, I heard from the fan base they did not like my piece because <laughs> I was kind of critical. You had a line on Twitter about they were like, what was what was it? They were like the, it was like drinking a Red Bull or something like that. Oh no, I don't. I, don't, I, I think I was like fairly uh, respectful because I get it. I've liked bands that have been slagged by critics, and it's annoying. And if I'm gonna have a loud mouth and and voice my opinion, you have a right to. To get back to me, I also have the right to mute you, especially <laughs> if you tweet me like eight or nine times in a row. Um, but before we get into the new record, Trench by 21 Pilots, let me just give like a brief, I guess, bio of this band for the people that aren't totally familiar. 21 Pilots is a duo from Columbus, Ohio, comprised of singer Tyler Joseph and drummer Joseph Dunn. Uh, the band name, which I did not know this, it was a reference. It's a reference to Arthur Miller's 1970, 1947 play, All My Sons. Apparently, there's a character in there who's haunted by his uh, complicity in the deaths of 21 pilots. Oh, wow. Okay. So, very illiterate band here. They formed in 2009, and there were two other guys in the band at that time, but by 2011, it was down to the duo. And uh, in the early days, they were really like hustling for fans. I mean, this is like a bluegrass not bluegrass. <laughs> Grassroots. <laughs> <Grass> yeah. <laughs> It'd be funny if I just said bluegrass the entire episode <laughs> instead of gr- grassroots. This is a real kind of grassroots band. I mean, they toured for a long time. Yeah, you know, they were kind of hustling for fans in their hometown, and they sort of gradually got bigger and bigger. They do have a couple ukulele songs. Just a couple. Yeah, ukulele's not really bluegrass, though. It's, no. it's more like, uh, well, whatever. So in 2015 is their, is their breakout. They put out a record called Blurry Face. And really, going into 2016, uh, the singles from that record end up blowing up in a big way. Uh, 
songs like Stressed Out. That was a big song for them. What, what, what were some of the other big hits? Uh, Ride was a big song for them. Heathens. Uh, that's from Suicide song. Squad. Yeah, it's soundtrack. From Suicide Squad soundtrack. And I know like, on Blurry Face, I think there's a thing like where like every song on that record has gone gold, yeah. at least. Oh, Tear in My Heart. That's another one that got a lot of play at Alternative Radio. So just like hundreds of millions of streams on Spotify, really streaming in a way that like no other, if you want to call them a rock band... I mean, that would be something I guess we we talk about in this yeah. podcast. But, you know, they, they they scan as a rock band. They sort of are identified as a rock band. They, and they, they stream as well or better than really any band in the game right now. So they put out their latest record, Trench, uh, earlier this month. It debuted at number two on the Billboard charts. It, it was uh, kept out of the top spot by the Stars Born soundtrack. So people wanted to hear Bradley Cooper sing more. <laughs> than this 21 Pilots record. But, you know, the 21 Pilots record still did really well. And um, Jason Isbell getting paid on that soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Jason Isbell, you know, hats off to you, man. That's awesome. Um, So the gist of my review, you know, I was talking about how this band, uh, they have this really kind of interesting mythology going on in their lyrics. Uh, There's sort of like an ongoing narrative going on with the records. It kind of reminds me of like, Rush records from the 70s or yeah. something, or Genesis records, how, you know, all the songs are interconnected and there's characters that exist between songs. Uh, and if you're a fan of the band, that's a big deal. If you go on Reddit, there's lots of people sort of speculating on what songs mean and, and all that. And there's also uh, lots of lyrics about sort of anxiety and mental illness and dealing with that. And I know when I wrote my review, a lot of the comments I got from the hardcore fans where they were talking about the lyrics. I mean, the lyrics seem to be of paramount importance if you're a hardcore 21 Pilots fan, which is cool. I, I, I think that I kind of respect that, and it, it's a really kind of fascinating thing, and I can see how that would be fun. My issue with this band, particularly this record, is the music, which I find to be basically the middle of the middle. Like, every form of music right now that's popular on streaming platforms sort of draining down into this well called 21 Pilots. And in my piece, I I write about how this, I kind of have this theory about how I feel like streaming platforms have influenced music. And in one of the ways I feel like that's been a factor is like when you and I were kids, music that appealed to angsty teenagers, it was stuff that was really loud and abrasive, lots of swear words, lots of down-tuned guitars, you know, screaming. Mm -hmm. And that's music that sounds really good if you're listening to it on CD and you have, you know, a big car stereo that you're blasting the music on. Whereas now, you know, if people are listening on earbuds or on computer speakers, I feel like that has influenced just how mellow everything is. Like this is like this band is so mellow. They're extremely mid-tempo. All the songs, there's no fast songs and there's no kind of slow heavy songs. They're all kind of in the middle. Sonically, it's all in the middle. You know, nothing too extreme, not a lot of dynamics going on. Um, It's very easy music to listen to if you're just sort of streaming data for hours out of a streaming platform to me. And that that was my main complaint with this band. What is your perspective, though? Because you like this band more than I do. I do. All right, so it's it's colored by a couple of things. I think first I would say that I agree with some of what you're saying. I think that... The new record, Trench, to me is less successful than either Blurry Face 
um, or the record that preceded Vessel, um, those records are much more dynamic. Um, and, you know, they have songs like Car Radio, um, which to me is a very kind of typical older 21 pilot song. It's literally a song about a guy whose radio breaks and all he can then hear is himself thinking and he kind of starts freaking out. And, you know, by the end of it, he's like, you know, screaming about how he has to just sit in silence because someone stole his car radio. And it's, it is sort of that traditional kind of what you think of sort of teenage angst music, although there's no guitar. Right. Um, the synthesis of sort of all these things that are happening I think is actually a, a strength of this band. I think that's right. one of the things that's really interesting is to me that they naturally blend uh, EDM and hip hop and rock and folk elements and just sort of weave them in and out seamlessly, uh, you know, and then throw this sort of pop sheen on it. I think that's sort of what has allowed them to kind of amass the audience that they have and i think it's it's actually kind of cool and a lot more interesting than a lot of things that are happening on either pop pop or alternative radio yeah i mean i i i agree with that in theory you know and i i I think you're totally right that the reason why this music has crossed over is because it's i mean they're not just sort of a run-of-the-mill rock band you know with heavy guitars and you know kind of redoing things that have already been done i mean they do sort of work in a very modern context. So like, even if you're a pop fan or a hip hop fan or an EDM fan or whatever, this is something that you can listen to and, and relate to and connect it to other things that you like. I guess my feeling is, is that, uh, they sort of take the less interesting aspects of all those kinds of music. So, you know, like, if, like the hip hop element, for instance, I mean, you know, the guy sounds like Macklemore, you know, it's, it's very white bread sounding yeah. hip hop. He's, he's not a great rapper. And the new record, and this is, I think, part of my problem with it, is it definitely leans heavier on the hip-hop than uh, than some of the other ones all have. And I think that that's, sometimes you get some songs where it's just, it's a little awkward. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, and I think by his own admission would tell you he's not like a, a fantastic MC. So, um, yeah, there those are the things, those are the times when it gets clunky. And I think they are kind of a band, they're... You know, they sort of wear their uncoolness on their sleeve and they're and they're an easy target. You know, they are straight white guys from middle America. I mean, Columbus is kind of like the and this is no shade of Columbus, which I think is a lovely town. Like Columbus is the test market city. Like if you have a chain restaurant and you want to see if it goes nationwide, you test it out in Columbus. Like yeah. That's they are from the middle of America. And, it, you know, in this kind of suburban environment. And those are sort of like, those are the people you can still kind of make fun of. You well, know what I mean? That's true. Although. In our culture today. That's true. Except I feel like maybe until very recently, very few people outside of their fan base even knew who they were. You know, like I feel like Imagine Dragons is a band that people use as a punching bag because that's like a well-known brand. And it's like, if you want to take a shot as at sort of like a bland popular rock band like imagine dragons is the uh is the punchline I, th- I feel like less so than 21 pilots maybe that's changing but i know like like in my piece and in a lot of other things that i read there was like the obligatory paragraph saying like you probably have no idea who these guys are you know because there really there was, was some of that yeah i mean there, i mean there was a sense i mean and again i mean this speaks to their grassroots or their bluegrass appeal, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, they kind of, they came out of nowhere. You know, this was a band that had been around for a while. I, I think Blurry Face was their fourth record, 
or so? Uh, yeah, I think they they had an EP, so it depends on whether you count that or not. Um, but uh, but they've been around for a while. Out. They were sort of an underground band. I mean, and you know they weren't you know they're from the middle of the country. You know they weren't media darlings by any stretch. Um, you know, like if you want to make a good case for them, you could say like, well, there was an organic aspect yeah, they built to this their popularity through, through touring a lot. And you can't take that away. And it's interesting because I've read interviews with them where they've, you know, talked about how basically they feel like their pop success is a fluke and that eventually they're going to return to being this band that has a great following that can play really big shows but isn't going to have the huge hits that they had on their last record, which is, you know, I think probably a pretty healthy point of view. Yeah, I'd say that's probably accurate. Um, Although, again, you know... Getting back to this idea of like streaming and and what kind of gets over now, you know, I mentioned Imagine Dragons before, and they do seem like a natural comparison point because they're another band that streams extremely well, that is very successful, that plays large venues, you know, amphitheaters and arenas, and they kind of do the similar, they do the same thing in that they're identified as a rock band, but they take as much from hip hop as they do from rock. There's a strong pop element. There is sort of like an every genre aspect to what it is. And um, it's an interesting thing because I agree with you again. Like I, that does, I think, make it more progressive in a way. But there is also something that to me makes it seem it's like if you're everything, you're nothing. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it, I don't know. Like, like, pick a lane, stay in your lane, well, Twitter One Pilots? I don't know. I mean, I think it's, you know, I, I mean, th- these are not the first bands, rock bands, to integrate hip-hop into what they do. I mean, th- right. that's been happening for, what, like um, like 30 years almost at this point. Um, I don't think that these bands really do it in, like, a distinctive way. Even if you're going to compare them to, like, say, you know, like the Red Hot Chili Peppers or something, like, who really kind of started doing that. They were they were among the first bands to do that, uh, and they are another band that is sort of deathless on the radio. I mean, they they continue to get played, yep. and you know, I've had my issues with the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but I would say that they are a more distinctive band than either one of the than Twenty One Pilots yeah. or Magic Dragon. They certainly don't have the point of view, you know, of Rage Against the Machine, which you know, another band that took rock and hip hop and sort of synthesized them a long time ago. Um, I would say, you know, that both of those bands that were sort of maybe adding some more textures than a band like, uh, you know, Rage did. Rage was sort of two notes. You know what I mean? It's like, what if we took Led Zeppelin stomp and mixed it with hip hop and then added some politics, you know? Right. Um, whereas the recipe with, uh, with 21 pilots is, has a, there's a few more ingredients, which is not, I'm not saying that makes it better music. I'm just saying it makes it, it that's sort of how it differs. And I, I don't. I mean, look, I, I, you know, I, I don't know that they are a, a great band, but I think they're a very good band. I think they're a very interesting band, and I, I don't think that there you will find a lot of bands on mainstream pop radio or you know at the American Music Awards, say, who uh, have made two concept albums. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, they, I, I do think that they do some really interesting things, and. They're also a really interesting live act. That, for me, was the thing that I I wasn't really sure about them until I went to a show. And even though I could go, okay, this isn't necessarily for me, 
when you're in a room with a few thousand 21 uh, pilots fans and, and a lot of them are dressed up and wearing makeup, you know, they, they suppose that they do like 17 bucks a head in merch, which is, uh, you know, like a Taylor Swift kind of number. Yeah. Um, you, you sort of get these people in the way that they feel this music and that there's a real culture around this band. Like there's a real healthy, active Reddit thing around this band. And I, like, I'm always really interested in, in bands that can create that. And I do think it is one of the things that, you know, separates them from, I don't know, like a foster the people or somebody right. like that. That's just sort of uh, around, you know, in that maybe that sort of second tier um, uh, of bands that we were sort of wondering about where, you know, where they exist today. Uh, you know, the, the, the second tier, the third tier of random alt rock bands, you know, these guys are in the first tier today. And I, I don't, I don't know that that is by accident, you know, no, maybe they I, got a pop radio by accident, but where they're at is not. No. Know? And again, I think that uh, the lyrics aspect of the band and the, you know, so the mythology and the storytelling is the most interesting part for me. Like when I was listening to the record, I was looking at the lyric sheet and you know, I'm 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 fairly you know, I'm a neophyte with this band, but I found myself getting pulled in. I mean, there's references to like, was it Nicholas Boraki? It's an alias of like a team of French mathematicians yeah. from the 1930s. Like that's <laughs> referenced on the record, and he comes up again in a song called Nico in the Niners. And I'm like, why is Nico? What is this? And then like, there's a song called Pet Cheetah, where the cheetah's named Jason Statham, and. Uh, <laughs> What's the deal with that? You know, so that stuff was compelling and it was interesting. And I was like, oh, like I can see how this is a band. I mean, I think this is true of like all cult bands where it's more rewarding the more sort of insane amount of thought you put mm-hmm. into it. If you're just someone who's sort of walking in and being like, oh, what's the deal with this? It's not going to be very interesting. But if you're willing to like dig in and listen to all the records and read all the liner notes and go on all the Reddit pages, and really make this band the center of your world, then it'll pay off. Like you will get more from the music than just sort of a layperson does. I think like what they were able to do with Blurry Face is marry that sort of mythology that appeals to the hardcore fans while making very palatable music that would appeal to casual people. Yeah, there was a real sense of melody in a lot of those songs on, on Blurry Face, and some of that's missing, I think, from, from Trench. Yeah, and maybe that's intentional. Maybe they're like, well, we don't necessarily need to be this huge band. I, I mean, my sense is that they could probably still play arenas even without the big hits, or at least like large theaters and, and, and do really well. Uh, so they've been able to do that. Um Looking at this big picture, getting back to that idea of how streaming is impacting music and how, it, and maybe I'm wrong with this, but I feel like the where is the youth music or where is the popular music that is like really angry and abrasive? You know, because like I was just thinking about Nine Inch Nails, you know, a band of our youths, you know, like in the 90s. <laughs> You know, not a guitar-based band, a band that musically you could liken in some ways to a 21 Pilots, drawing from a lot of different influences, and yet there was an anger in that band, and there was a heaviness to that band that I think was just sort of inherent to youth music for like the last several decades, and I'm just thinking about like music now, and I, I can't think of anything that's really popular and is also like 
kind of angry and like dangerous. You know, because like 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 the SoundCloud rappers, like the rappers themselves have dangerous backstories, but like the actual music is like fairly mellow a lot of the time. You know. Yeah. Um, and I just wonder if we're just in a phase with that, or if because of technology, it's just not as pleasurable to listen to music like that. Like maybe that kind of music sounds like shit on earbuds and and laptop speakers. Yeah. I also think it's sort of the, the, the way that songs sort of bubble up now too, right? You kind of have to be turned on to something that sort of made its way through a filter of popularity. And I think it can be hard for loud, aggressive music to do that. I would assume that what anger exists now would exist in the hip hop world, but I can't really think of any great examples of really angry hip hop right now. I mean, the last know? the last time I remember there being like an artist or a group that was young and coming out and had like an edge to it was like the Odd Future, Tower, the Creator, you know, period yeah. of the early 2010s, where. You know, it, it it seemed to be taking its cues from like a little bit of Wu Tang, a little bit of NWA, a little bit of Eminem, and like I can't think of any rap like big rap star now that would use those artists as like reference points. It seems like it's mellow people for the most part. I mean, someone on Twitter can give me an example, but I really don't think that there is. You you almost it's like there's not a lot of punk. In contemporary culture, you know what I mean? At least not musically speaking, Mm -hmm. you know? Like, I feel like people will sort of cop it as a fashion sense, or they'll they'll infuse it into their lyrics. Like, I think that there's anger expressed in terms of, like, people talking about politics or their, like, anxiety issues or whatever. But musically, it doesn't get expressed. Like, I think there's, like, a lot of emotion in 21 Pilots' lyrics. I think they're talking about heavy things. But, like, it's not expressed in the music, really. Yeah. You know, at least not on this record. Yeah, I mean, a song like Jumpsuit gets a little bit, uh, which I think is one of the better songs. On the yeah, record. I mean, that's relative. Shabby. But yeah, it's, I wouldn't, you know, look, it's not, um, uh, you know, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, for sure. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, like, I want to fuck you like an animal. Yeah. Like, there's nothing like that. There's no, there's no one screaming. It's like, oh, the, like, the bass line's kind of distorted. Like, yeah. that's about as edgy as it gets. Do you, do you think that is a reaction maybe to the times and that... The, you know that our that our politics uh, and our culture has so much anger in it that people are looking more towards music as an escape. Maybe I. I mean, I don't know that. Like, I mean, there's not. It doesn't feel like a ton of indie music is really angry. No, no, not really at all. Pop too. You know I, mean, I mean, you know, like if you know, you can list. There are certainly like punk bands on the fringes in indie rock. You know, you can go to, like, we're here in Minneapolis, you can go to, like, 7th Street Entry and hear, like, pretty loud, you know, aggressive guitar music, but, you know, they're playing for, like, 150 people. Right. Like, I, there isn't, you know, like, a, there isn't, like, a new band that is really taking off that has that kind of edge to it. Yeah. And you may be onto something there. I, again, I, I really attribute it to technology, I think that there's something about the way people listen to music now where you it just doesn't sound as good. You know, I think there was a th- like if you if you were listening to music on CD in the 90s or 2000s 
and you were in your car and you're listening to like, you know, you had like good subwoofers or something, you know, like something that's loud, has, a, has, has, has like strong bottom end, that sounds incredible, you know, and it, the power of it really comes through. And if you're listening to it on headphones or on laptop speakers, I just don't think... I think it can sound a lot worse. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, distortion it, is less fun in earbuds. Right, <laughs> right. Certainly. So if that's the way you're listening to it, or if you're listening to playlists, maybe more than albums, you know, like a loud, abrasive song in the middle of like a playlist, it's sort of like, ah, like my flow is getting, you know, messed yeah. up. Or you don't really want to jog to that, maybe. I, you know, I... I also I know. know, I think it's, I also think it's something generational, too. Um, and this is something that I talk about uh, with other radio programmers all the time, uh, you know, as someone who came up in in the '90s, when things like credibility, uh, you know, not being overtly commercial, and, and and you know, sort of expressing your angst through anger, like those are sort of Gen X hallmarks. Yeah, and you know, once we sort of eliminated this credibility issue, you know, where there is no such thing as selling out, and it became okay to be popular and mass appeal i think a lot of that that angst and anger and that idea of well why isn't music dangerous i don't think that kids now are asking that question i don't think they're looking for danger uh from their music and i don't think they're particularly concerned with any of these credibility issues either i think that's all sort of one in the same piece you know to me i agree i'm just like man if you're 16, like you don't like to just kick out the jams, and you're know, just gonna like listen to some mellow dude talk about his, you know, how he feels sad, and you know, and I like that kind of stuff. But you know, occasionally you need something a little louder, I would think, but maybe not. I don't know. Like when I was a kid, I just feel like when you're a kid, you know, that's when you want that stuff, and you know, you always talk about like, well, kids want to listen to music that will, you know, that their parents will hate, right? The, yeah, so what is I, that? Cause, I don't know. Because it's not just you can't just listen to hip hop and have your parents hate it at this point, right? Well, like, yeah, they grew up on hip hop, right? I, I I feel like, you know, I, mean, I wrote this in my piece, but I feel like if you if you play Twenty One Pilots for a parent that like grew up listening to like N.W.A. and Public Enemy and uh, Nine Inch Nails and Corn. They're going to be shocked by how mellow this is. <laughs> They're not going to be like, "Oh, cover my ears! This is like too abrasive for me." Um, but I'm, you know, maybe, but maybe that maybe we already went. Maybe we went too far in the loud direction. It's like, how much louder can you get? Maybe now it's like, well, I'm going to like out mellow my parents. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm, that's going to be the new way I piss them off by, you know, just being a huge wimp. Well, I'm know? I'm going to see Twenty One Pilots on Sunday. Yes. So I will. I can carefully monitor parents faces <laughs> well when we can sort of figure it out well i feel like this is a good segue into our next band talking about parents and what parents might like or, or maybe grandparents uh because we want to talk about greta van fleet too which is you know another big time rock band that is that put out a record this month um and for those who don't know who greta van fleet is it's a four-piece band from michigan uh three of the members are brothers the kiska brothers Am I pronouncing that right? I it's, believe it's Kiska, yeah. And and then they have their friend Danny Wagner on drums, and uh, they put out their uh, debut full length album uh, last week on on October nineteenth. It's called Anthem of the Peaceful Army. That comes after two EPs that were very well received and did well on streaming platforms. Uh, this band, 
uh, you know, they're awfully young. I think two guys are 19 and two are 22, uh, but they're already headlining large venues. I think here in Minneapolis they played the Armory, which is like, what, 8,000? Uh, yeah, it's somewhere in that neighborhood and sold it out. And sold it out. Quickly. So. Um, on, on two EPs, basically. No, yeah. no, no full-length album. So, I mean, they seem to be on their way to being an arena band, you know, unless they stall with this record. They, they're definitely on that track. And I can't believe I've gone this long talking about Greta Van Fleet without mentioning Led Zeppelin. <laughs> because that's the thing people always talk about with this band. I profiled this band last week on uprocks.com. I put Led Zeppelin in the first sentence uh, because this band sounds exactly like Led Zeppelin. I mean, it, it, you're going to read that in every review, every profile of this band. And in a way, I kind of feel bad because, you know, it really is, shall we say, a hammer of the gods that gets hit <laughs> over the head on them all the time. See what you did there. But it really is true. And we were talking about this before we, before we taped that. The thing about this band is that it's not like they're ripping off, like it's not like a one-to-one ripoff with this band. It's not like, oh, this song sounds exactly like Cashmere or this song sounds exactly like Stairway to Heaven. The way I put it in my piece is that it's as if someone designed like a highly complicated algorithm to produce incredibly lifelike Led Zeppelin sounding songs that are new, that like aren't just totally replicating anything else. They're like new songs. And... um one of the things I, I explored in my piece was this question about whether it's possible to be purely derivative, but also good at being derivative. And if that's something that if, or, or is being derivative just sort of automatically, you know, disreputable or, or, or you know, there's no way to be good at it. And I kind of come on the so- down on the side of it being okay, because I think this band is really good at what they do. They don't come out and say that we're a Led Zeppelin tribute act, but it's more or less, I think, understood with the people who like this band. Because it's not as if the people who love this band are saying, oh, they don't rip off Led Zeppelin, they're totally original. Everyone agrees this band's derivative. It's just that some people appreciate how derivative they are, and they think they sound really good, and they think that they're a great live band, and they like the songs. Um, I haven't seen this band live yet. You have. Several times now, yeah. And... I mean the the videos I've seen they're impressive live. I mean they 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 sound good. They I mean they're especially for their age. Um in this record, you know, I found myself enjoying it for what it is. I would never call this like the band that's going to save rock. I don't think it would be healthy if every band tried to sound like Led Zeppelin or some other, you know, classic rock band. Uh but I think what they're doing is actually fairly unique. In the modern landscape, there's no other band that sounds like this, at least a band that is as popular as this doing it. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm kind of endorse, I'm kind of laughing saying this, but I, 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 I enjoy this band. I mean, is that a guilty pleasure? I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know if you have to feel guilty about it. I do think like sheepish endorsement is sort of the natural reaction for, <laughs> for reasons that I think you, you've delineated like, Fairly well here. And yes, I think they almost affirmatively, they really affirmatively answer the question of, uh, you know, can you, can you be derivative but do it really well? Like, yes, they I, they clearly do. Like, they're clearly good at this. Yeah. Um, and I would say they're also not the first, not only not, obviously not the first band to be derivative, but they're not the first band to have a career 
you know, largely aping the path that that Zeppelin has followed. Well, you know and, what I mean, and I mean, I, that's a time honored tradition in rock at this point. Well, I wrote this in my piece, and it's kind of a joke, but I think it's also true that being accused of ripping off other artists is the most like legitimately Zeppelin-esque thing about them. Because <laughs> I mean, Zeppelin is still being sued for yeah. like ripping off other people, so it's not as if Zeppelin, you know, created something out of whole cloth. I mean, they upright stole other songs stole their songs in some cases from like blues musicians and even some of their contemporaries and and i and i i do think they're they're going about it in like the right cheeky way and that you know they give the quotes about how oh i didn't i never heard zeppelin until high school (laughs) and like and like oh we're you know we have many different influences and like you know you listen to the first song and there's a reference to the land of ice and snow and (laughs) like okay we we got it (laughs) when i Interviewed the band, you know, for this piece I wrote, and Josh is the lead singer. Which Josh, by the way, spoke in sort of like a British accent when yeah. we when we talked, and you know, it was kind of weird because he's from Michigan, which I don't think is in England. Uh, but I also, you know, he also talked about how he was in theater when he was in high school, and he, in a way, he kind of reminded me of like of like a theater kid, like the theater kids that I grew up with, because yeah. there is something sort of. Um, you know, this is going to sound like a criticism, like pretentious about him. And I mean that in an endearing way. Like when you're young and you're into theater and you're into film and you're into music and you smoke clove cigarettes and, you know, you, you go to like the coffee shop and talk about, I don't know, like Nietzsche or something, you know, like that kind of thing that young people have, uh, which is kind of a beautiful thing. Like everyone goes, a lot of people go through that kind of phase. Mm -hmm. And I think he's going through it in a very successful rock band. And, uh, but anyway, he, he, he said that that land of ice and snow line was, it's weird because I asked like, was that like an homage or like, were you trolling people when you did that? And he kind of went both ways. He said like, well, it's an unintentional homage because when you love something, you just sort of absorb it and it becomes part of your cultural language. But then he said that it was also a middle finger, you know, so I don't know if maybe he wrote that song and didn't realize that he was plagiarizing Led Zeppelin. (laughs) And then maybe he noticed it after the fact and was like, well, I'll leave it in because I don't care if if people don't like it. And really, the people that matter don't care. Like, the fans don't care that they're doing that. Critics might scoff, but the people who buy concert tickets are really into that and kind of like them for that reason. And a lot and a lot of people are buying concert tickets for for them. And it is interesting when you go to the show, you know, the two bands whose t-shirt you see the most are Greta Van Fleet and Led Zeppelin, very clearly. <laughs> you know. So people are wearing the Greta Van Fleet shirt to the Greta Van Fleet show. Yeah, yeah, that's a thing that people And maybe that's just a Midwestern thing. All the shows, well no, I just saw them in Texas, but all the other shows I've been to have been in the Midwest and so I don't know, people have seemed to be less shy about wearing the t-shirt of the band you're seeing here. <laughs> Um, but there is like a genuine enthusiasm out there for this band. Oh, and, yeah. and I've heard that from other people saying like how, like when I go to other shows, I see Greta Van Fleet shirts all the time. And I know like for me, you know, when people just bring up bands to me like on the street or, or, or on email or whatever, Greta Van Fleet comes up all the time. Like they have a strong appeal among sort of normal listeners you know, or certainly, I think a, a demographic of listeners who are waiting for a band like this and yeah. are really excited that someone is sounding like this. It's not. Uh, it's not hard to get this music, and, <laughs> and there's a level of of competency and consistency on this album that I think is really striking. 
Um, it's almost hard to pick out, like, you know, which one is the standout. Like, almost every song is just as good as the next song, right. you know, in, in a way. Um, it's like, you know, it's kind of like you said, like, it's interesting to me in the way that they've sort of, it's like they took the whole of the Zeppelin catalog and then just sort of regurgitated it out in this new way, you know, yeah. and, and in almost sort of like equal pieces, which is kind of interesting. I also think it's really interesting. Their audience is, is very bifurcated, right? Like the, it's very well divided between old dudes who you can tell are just Zeppelin fans and then kids. Like yeah. there's a lot of like teenagers who I don't think listen to a lot of other things that sound like this. And I think that's what has gotten the industry so is, is so excited is that maybe it's turned some people on to, you know, just meat and potatoes straight ahead, classic rock canon type rock music. Well, and you know, the, you could tie this to our discussion about 21 pilots earlier in this episode. I, you know, in my piece, I wrote about how, in indie rock in this decade, there's been this standard where a lot of breakout artists have posted their music on on Bandcamp, and then it gets some you know publicity, and then they start a then they form a, like a real band, and then they go on the road and they kind of learn how to be a road band. And you go see those bands early on, and like they're terrible live. You know, yeah. I've seen so many bands that I like whose records I really enjoy, and it's so disappointing when you see them live and then maybe you see them again a year or two later and they're much better because they've been on the road for a while. Um, I think what Greta Van Fleet does, whether you think they're derivative or not, is there is sort of like a visceral power to them as a live band that I don't think a lot of young rock bands have, Um, at least not this early on. And, you know, that speaks, I think, to, you know, as much as teenagers now might love 21 Pilots and and dig on the mythology of that and, and, and the vibe of it, there's always, I think, going to be a market for people that just like loud, dumb music, you know, that kind of hits them in the guts, in sort of that unthinking place in your body that you don't really, you can't intellectualize it, but uh, when it hits that spot, you you feel pleasure, you feel happy, you, you, you're psyched. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned the theater background when you're talking about this band, because the thing about the Greta Van Fleet, like, live experience, to me, like... There's the, you know, the word cosplay is hanging in the air a little bit. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, like they are, you know, they're 20 year old kids, but they're rolling out there in bell bottoms and there's the drummer with the shirt off and the long hair and, you know, some of them have bare feet. And if you haven't seen like that sort of rock and roll presentation before, if you're 19, 20, like a kid up there, you know, shaking his hips in bell bottoms and a half shirt like Robert Plant back in the day, like... There is a visceral appeal to that, like a time-tested visceral appeal right. that maybe you know you were just getting for the first time, and that's a pretty—it's still a pretty powerful hit. Yeah, I mean, like, experience that. I mean, like Led Zeppelin is still popular. Like Pink Floyd is still popular, and yeah. I and I think that you know whether you're ripping off those bands or you're plugging into the spirit of what they did, you know, there is um, something to be said for. Uh, reaching an audience if you're able to do that you know i feel like so many younger bands they take their cues from like a fairly narrow canon of like punk and indie rock that i really like i like a lot of that music but it does not have that half shirt love beads flared pants appeal you know that 
uh, the sound of like a really good drum break and a loud guitar riff and a, and a wailing vocal. You know, there's something about that stuff. It's sort of a Pavlovian thing, yeah. uh, especially if you see it live. I think it, it comes across. Um, you, you mentioned Narrow Cannon, though, and the, the, thing, the thing that I wonder about Greta Van Fleet um, is what what's the next album going to sound like? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like, are they just going to, are they going to keep doing this? And, you know, cause it's not like, it'd be one thing if like this record sounded like Led's up on one and then you just go, okay, they're gonna, <laughs> you know, they're going to make two with three and four next. But like, are they going to make 10 versions of like, Hey, here's our sort of traipsing through all the entirety of the Led's up and catalog. It's, it's, it's weird to me. Cause you know, we talked about Tortoise and Pilots, they're a two-piece, and that's usually the thing that you say about these two-piece acts of, like, you know, okay, this is sort of a narrow way to make music. Like, we, you know, the White Stripes, the Black Keys, like, where does this go, you know? And 21 Pots doesn't seem to have that problem. Like, they're, you know, for, for two guys, it seems like they sort of make diverse amount of noise, and their albums sort of really differ from one to the next, and there's a lot of other stuff going on. These guys, they're a four-piece very good musicians, but I do wonder, like, what is the future like for them? Are they going to continue this? Are they going to ape another band? Are they going to really, like, find their own voice? What happens next with Greta Van? I don't know. I mean, I've read interviews with them where they're talking about all these singer-songwriters. Like, they're talking about Joni Mitchell and uh, people like that. So it makes me believe that they're going to make their Led Zeppelin three next. You know, that's they're going to make their quiet acoustic record. I will say and the acoustic then... songs on this record are very good. So maybe yeah. that'll be next. And then like in 10 years, you know, like the guitar player will be addicted to heroin. So there won't be much guitar on it. And they'll just do songs that sound like All My Love and Fool in the Rain. Yeah. And that'll be their Into the Outdoor. Oh, they and, still do have a drug phase in them, right? They're, oh, hopefully. Yeah, well, yeah, you never hope. But, you know, because you don't, because I, I interviewed the drummer, Danny Wagner, and I actually think he's a good drummer and he was a really a nice kid. Drummer, yeah. I don't want him to do like 40 shots in 12 hours like John Bonham did and, uh, pass away when he's 32 so don't do that you gotta you gotta like stop with the tribute to zeppelin you know before like the 30s before you get to your 30s you know then it starts to get a little dangerous well look and there's some things that led zeppelin did we've sort of talked about this that would not play very well uh or i should say they are alleged to have done that would not play very well right well there's not a lot of like (laughs) squeezing of lemons on this record either there's not a lot of like i mean there's like a you know i feel like on some of their eps there's a couple like Hey Mamas, you know, thrown in. Yeah. But there, there, there's not uh, the sort of in-your-face sexuality of, of, of the Zeppelin time. You know, so, so that is, I guess, for the reboot here, that has been excised for, you know, the era that we're in now. I, so, I mean, to pull back again to the big picture, you know, I feel like the, the, the critics of this band are going to talk about how this band's popularity is evidence that rock and roll is creatively bankrupt. Yeah, it's out of ideas. That, that Out of ideas, that it's recycling, that all rock fans want or, or is just a recreation of the past. Not a totally unfair point to make, I would say. I mean, obviously there's a market out there for people that love Zeppelin and want to hear things like Zeppelin. I will say that I think that what Greta Van Fleet is doing isn't so far out of bounds from what other rock bands have done, especially early early in their careers, like where you're taking stuff that you were influenced by that you love and you try to put your own spin on it. And (laughs) the degree to which they put their own spin on it is debatable, 
But I do think that there's enough talent in this band uh, that they could do something else. I don't think it's beyond the realm of possibility that music... I feel like they could play certainly different kinds of music, whether they have the imagination to to come up with it is another issue. But... Um, it's true. It's it, you know because it, it is. I mean, they're doing what with with Zeppelin, what Zeppelin did with the blues, you know, and with the things that they loved. And Zeppelin was very derivative early on as well, even of like other bands of their generation, Jeff Beck Group, for instance, or Cream, or any of those things. And yet they found a way to kind of broaden it out and become who they were. So I'm just that that is my defense of them in that respect. I think it's hard to imagine what they're going to do, but it's certainly not unprecedented, you know, to start out this way and then move in maybe a more original direction. Particularly after that. when you consider how young they are, right? And I, and I do think people underestimate the degree of difficulty, you know, like in just the idea. Like, if I say to you, "Hey, write 10, 11, I guess it's eleven tracks on this record," really, yeah. you know, really good. New Led Zeppelin songs. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a hard thing to do. And you also I mean? like, get signed to a major label and, uh, you know, have an industry push behind you and also like sell a, a lot of gigs. I mean, they are a good band. Are they an original band? Or are they a creative band? I don't know. But they're, But in terms of being a band that will show up on stage and play a good show, they seem to satisfy that criteria. And there aren't a lot of bands actually that I feel like do satisfy that. I, I agree. And I look, and you know, we were sort of talking about in 21 pilots in terms of the way that people consume music. Now, I do think their success is something of a product of that in that, you know, in this kind of long tail environment that we exist in, you, you need a hook to get noticed, you know, and this band will remind you of Led Zeppelin is a, is a pretty good way <laughs> to stand out, you know, in this day and age. And there aren't a lot of people doing this now you can talk about the originality of this but it, there is a uniqueness about it in the current context and again i mean it it does blow my mind that they are as like well known as they are because i feel like there are actually quite a few bands that are always trying to sound like 70s rock bands but they're usually like from norway and they're on small labels yeah. that only like you know ten thousand people care about and for whatever reason, this band has broken through in a way that I think is really kind of amazing. I mean, maybe they're just an industry plant, as they say. Yeah, I, I feel like this band, you know, I, I haven't heard that too much in conjunction with this band, but you know, I feel like there's probably a lot of cynicism about them in that respect. But I mean, I don't know, you can't make people buy concert tickets you can't make them care about them so i don't know it's amazing i'm curious to see where they go yeah. if they're going to make their leads up on three or if they're going to make their coverdale page yeah after this well you know keep in mind and maybe i, I mentioned this before right we're you know these guys are like they they just half of them can't even drink yet like yeah they're really young and all of this has really happened in a space of a year right you know this two the two lps the albums that's selling out the shows playing major festivals like this band was unknown 18 months ago. Yeah, they're even on like, it's weird how they're even on sort of like a 60s cycle, you know, for, for careers. Like, it's moved very fast. Yeah. Like, in, in a way that it did in the 60s, like where you would put out an album every year and it'd be like, oh, 
we came to America in 68. Oh, by, by 69, we're huge, you know? Like, that doesn't really happen anymore, especially with rock bands. Kind of makes me wonder what the reaction to them in Europe will be and if it's going to be something similar, if this is some sort of uniquely American hole in the marketplace. I don't know. I mean, we talked about 21 Pilots being an easy target. I think Greta Van Fleet will be the band that, like, people hate. I definitely think they're going to have, especially, I think, in the media anyway. Uh, they're just starting to get written about just as 21 pilots are. Um, but I could see them potentially becoming like the new Nickelback in terms of, oh, the, the, the knee jerk punchline band. I would not be surprised. I, I, I think they're sort of teed up for that. Yeah. Although, I mean, look, Imagine Dragons is a pretty firm lock. <laughs> I feel like I'm maybe, but I feel like back spot. <laughs> I feel like, but you know, just the the sort of like the shirtless macho bluesy rock band. Yeah. That is, I mean, that kind of band has never been popular critically, but like in this environment, I can't think of a band like less uh, suited for like 2018 music critics than Greta Van Fleet. Because I think even Imagine Dragons. There's people who would say, like, well, I don't like their songs, but I appreciate how modern they are. I mean, you can't dispute that they are sort of like a product of the current moment. And Greta Van Fleet, you would never make that argument that they're <laughs> that they sound modern, really. Is there a pitchfork review of Greta Van Fleet yet? Or- you know, it, it may have gone up by the time this podcast goes up. It has not gone up yet. I'm guessing it'll be a turkey shoot. <laughs> yeah. I can't see them being like. This is the best record since Kid A, you know. <laughs> well, maybe they'll surprise 9.8. me. <laughs> Nine point eight. That would be that would be a great uh, uh, troll job by Pitchfork. Uh, I'd be shocked if that record got above a five. I would get. I, I would bet on between a two and a four. Yeah, for, uh, for Greta Van Fleet. Pitchfork Greta Van Fleet is not uh, returning any uh, results for me on Google yet. So. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see. Maybe this review will already be up. I mean, you know, the record. It may already be up by the time this podcast goes up, so people can t- we can see how accurate our guesses were. I'm going to say like a three point four from Pitchfork. I see. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like they could go. With... Yeah, you're right. Because there's a there's a baseline level of competency where you can't give this like a, a zero point eight or something. I don't like think that, that, right? I can't remember the last time they did that. I mean, I remember like with with Jet, they had that the monkey. They had the monkey. Like it was like pissing in its mouth or something, or eating its poop, something like that. And really, I mean, you know, Greta Van Fleet is sort of like the jet of now in some ways. And I say that as a person who enjoys Get Born. <laughs> That's not a knock. Um, I mean, I think, a lot of things you can say about Greta Van Fleet were things people said about Jet, I feel like. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, of course, we know Jet went on to a long career. We're still, <laughs> you know. Hey, I would be excited about a Jet record if, if you know. I, I I think I missed my window to do the anniversary piece on the, on the Jet record. I think that yeah. turned 15 this year. Contrarian's canon. I smell it coming. Contrarian's canon. <laughs> uh, I got to get Riley on that one. All right. So, you know, you're more up on 21 Pilots than me. But, I yeah. re- but again, like, lyrically, I respect what they do. And I appreciate I, – I don't think it's a fluke that they're successful. I, I totally understand, like, why they're big. And I, I would I just, just say think, for anybody – I think they're a little bland. Anybody listening to this, I would definitely recommend either Vessel or Blurry Face if you want to start, you know, 21 Pilots, as opposed to this record. I don't know this is if this one is the best jumping off point. I think those are, are stronger albums. And, albums. you know, as someone, like, I didn't love Trench. I didn't really particularly like it, but I, it's definitely a listenable record. I mean, it, it, there's that one song where he's rapping about uh, 
you know how the media glamorizes dead rock stars it's like okay yeah. that's very macklemore ish that wasn't that neon gravestones i think that song's called um but you know it it's very listenable it's just to me it was kind of kind of bland and boring but i understand why it's big and it's and meanwhile it's Derek's favorite band of all time 21 <laughs> pilots and Greta Van Fleet is my favorite band of all time obviously no i you know i i enjoyed the record i think they're I think they're derivative, obviously, but you know, no one's going to say that they're not derivative. You don't like it as much, but you, but again, you appreciate why they're big. I, yeah, I mean, it's, I have a hard time just getting past the derivativeness. Yeah. I will say, though, there were a couple songs on this album that I really liked, and uh, they've been very good for my radio station, and, I've, <laughs> uh, and so I, I do have an appreciation uh, of them, for sure. All right, so... Derek, are you happy? You got to talk for like an hour on the podcast. <laughs> I know it's great. Are you are you going to be like next time we do an episode? You're just going to be like, I want another hour. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk over the guest. <laughs> I may like you know I may have to jump in every once in a while if uh, if there's something that I hear that uh, that freaks me out too bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll have you on again, man. I appreciate. it. I do have another podcast, by the way, so I do get to throw out some of this stuff when. Uh, do you want to plug your pod? Yeah, it's called the Toy Department. Uh, it's available on uh, Apple Podcasts and most of those places, and we talk about uh, uh, pop culture uh, generally. So music, uh, movies, TV, sports. Right? All right, I'm going to ask you to edit that part out, actually. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, man. Well, hey, take it easy, man. Always a pleasure. Cheers. All right, well, Derek, that was fun. See, now we're talking again because <laughs> we just recorded a conversation. Now we're recording the outro. We're still in the same room. It's not I, like I just hung up on someone. I know. I'm all turned around like as we talked and now we're talking. And we're talking. We're, yeah. It's just like one sort of – it's like different versions of ourselves from different moments in time, but it's still the same people. Uh, guys, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Celebration Rock Podcast. I want to thank Derek, of course, our guest today. He's also the man who makes it happen, our producer. Thank you, Derek. I want to thank Josh Copperman for writing our theme song. And of course, thanks to all of our Celebration Rock listeners. Uh, without you, there would not be a show. So thank you for your support. Uh, we will be back again next week with more Celebration Rock. Uh, take it easy. On the Westwood One Podcast Network. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital.